Good morning, 10 o'clock. I am not Andrew, just in case you're worried. Uh, we've done another COVID shuffle. I am Gavin, and I'm glad that you're here. And this morning, we're going to have a look at Mark chapter 6. Uh, so let me pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that from this part of the word, you remind us that he is the good shepherd who came to seek his sheep, care for his sheep, feed his sheep, and be Lord over his sheep. We pray that you may help us to leave here thankful, listening to the voice of Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Uh, when I take funerals, Psalm 23 is a regular comfort to the mourners in those particular occasions. I'm sure you know Psalm 23. Originally, it's a psalm of King David, 1000 BC. And in those kind of moments, there is comfort in knowing that God is our shepherd as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And there is comfort in knowing that Jesus is the good shepherd. The shepherd sheep word picture is all through the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Psalm 23, Psalm 100, many other references. When you get to Ezekiel and his days, the leadership of Israel has failed to help the people follow God. And so Ezekiel 34 is a sustained rebuke to the shepherds of the day. Uh, we heard a glimpse of it. You shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered. Uh, uh, Mark picks up that word picture in Mark chapter 6 to invite us to see that Jesus is the good shepherd. We see it in verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, uh, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, there is the echo on the wordplay of uh, the shepherd and the sheep. When Jesus looks at the crowd who had followed him into the wilderness places, his heart went out to the crowd. He looked at them as they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so this morning I want you to see that Mark wants us to see Jesus in Mark chapter 6 as the good shepherd. And I want to do something slightly different with you. I want to come to Mark chapter 6 through the lens of Ezekiel 34, which looks forward to the day when God will set up the good shepherd in care again over the sheep. And I want, to see, I want you to see four things. That the good shepherd came to gather the sheep. That the bad shepherd neglects the sheep. That the good shepherd feeds the sheep. 
and that Jesus is the good shepherd and we should listen to his voice. If you've got the handout, uh, I'm going to take you through a couple of scenes of Mark chapter 6 through the lens of Jesus the good shepherd so that you might leave here encouraged to hear his voice and encouraged to follow him. Well, first thought, the good shepherd gathers his sheep. Uh, In Mark chapter 6, we see the mission of Jesus intensify. And uh, as uh, Ezekiel anticipates in Ezekiel 34.11, God says, I will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after the scattered flock, when he's with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out of the nations and gather them from the countries. Now, what I want you to see, the connection between Ezekiel 34 and uh, Mark chapter 6, is that in verse 6, Jesus is the good shepherd coming to gather his flock. And we read in verse 6 that Jesus went around teaching from village to village. And he had called the 12 to himself and he shared the mission with the 12. You can read it in verse 7. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So we see in Jesus the process of the shepherd gathering the sheep back through the preaching of the kingdom of God. And uh, uh, in the Gospels, these missions happen a couple of times. Here's one described by Mark. And there's instructions for those who are on mission in verses 8 to 12. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money. Uh, Wear sandals but not an extra shirt. When you enter a house or a town... If they welcome you, stay and share with them the kingdom of God. If they don't welcome you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. And so here is a picture of Jesus sending his disciples on a mission to gather the sheep as the good shepherd. And in verse 12, we get the summary. They went out and preached that the people should repent turn from their old ways and turn back to God. And they drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. So here is a picture of the good shepherd uh, working to gather his sheep to himself through the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Now in chapter 6, we don't get back to the mission till verse 30 and we have a discussion about King uh, Herod Antipas. And in verse 30, we read this, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Here is a moment of debriefing and sharing stories and excitement on this mission of the good shepherd to uh, have the sheep come back. They saw many things that caused them to be excited. And you'll also notice They were tired. Even Jesus was tired. And uh, Mark gives us the aside in verse 31. Because so many people were coming and going, they did not even get a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 
The thing I want you to notice is that Jesus, the good shepherd, gathers his flock through the preaching of the kingdom of God. And the miracles are the signs that here is the good shepherd in our midst. Now, as we think about our next step in our Warunga Anglican church life together, here's a really important thing for us to see. God gathers his flock to himself through the preaching of the kingdom of God and through the teaching of his word. So as we work out what we do next together, as we become one and as we reset our congregations, it's good for us to remember that the good shepherd gathers his sheep through the proclamation of the kingdom of God. And so uh, that ought to be at the centre of what moves us forward together. Well, the second thing I want you to notice from Mark chapter 6 is that the bad shepherd neglects his sheep. And uh, in an interesting way, uh, the story of Jesus is put next to the story about Herod Antipas. And in Herod Antipas, we see what a bad shepherd looks like. He's the son of Herod the Great, who is famous in the Bible story, at least, for his participation in the birth narratives of Jesus, seeking the death of Jesus. The Herods ruled in their own crazy way, and people who love history, it's a crazy part of history. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, Herod shows himself to be a bad shepherd. And verse 14 connects Herod to the mission of Jesus. Uh, if you've got your Bible open in front of you, it'll help you to see that connection. Uh, verse 14 says this, King Herod heard about the mission, for Jesus' name had become well known. So it indicates some kind of success of Jesus' mission, sending out his disciples to proclaim the kingdom of God and to call people back in repentance that it came to even the highest powers of the land. King Herod was king over a northern province of the uh, Roman Empire on the northeast side of Galilee. And we can see from Herod's response that he's caught up with the superstition of the day, trying to work out where does Jesus get his power from? We had a discussion about that with the Pharisees back in chapter 3. They concluded it was from Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Uh, there are some different conclusions being drawn here which show us that one aspect of a bad uh, shepherd is his bad teaching. Uh, King Herod took interest in the learnings of the prophets and, he, and it says in verse uh, 14, some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead and that is why miraculous powers are at work with him. That's a bit of a, a subtle reference to the understanding of the day that uh, occult practices could gain you power if you drew from the power of the dead. And... Uh, Herod flirts with those kind of ideas. Others said he's Elijah. Still others claimed he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. Uh, Herod, like the, uh, with curiosity, like a cat playing with a mouse, comes to his own conclusions about the power of Jesus. John, who I'm beheaded, 
has been raised from the dead. And so we see a glimpse of the superstition of the day concerning Jesus. I want you to notice that a bad shepherd bears bad fruit and embraces bad teaching. So what Mark does then is he gives us a flashback in verses 17 to 29 to the actual death of John the Baptist. I'll let you read it in all its details. On a whim of Herod's wife, he has John the Baptist put to death through his daughter, and you can read that part of the story. But I think Mark gives us this story to underline two things. Firstly, Jesus is not John the Baptist raised from the dead. John the Baptist was put to death and was beheaded. And the second thing, it's a reminder to us, the reader from chapter 1, that Jesus is not John the Baptist. He's greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was not worthy to untie the, the straps on his sandal. So you can read the story of uh, the death of John the Baptist in this moment. He was killed at a feast on the whim of Herod, uh, whose wife had taken offence at the comments of John the Baptist about confronting family sins. And I'll let you read that on your own. Verse 29 brings it all to an end, and it says this, On hearing this, that is the beheading of John the Baptist, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. If we step back and hear Ezekiel 34, God rebukes bad shepherds. And God says, I am against the shepherds and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. To round off the Herod story, two things are worth mentioning. Herod appears again at the trial of Jesus, but Jesus remains silent through the whole encounter. He has forfeited his opportunity to uh, respond to Jesus' words about the kingdom of God. And in Acts chapter 12, a little bit later, we read about the death of Herod. It goes like this, Acts 12, 21. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne, delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God and not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. Bad shepherds bear bad fruit with bad teaching and come to a bad end. And I think as we think about the days in which we live, too many bad shepherds have uh, uh, risen to authority in the contemporary Christian church. And it's a warning for us who take places and teaching responsibility. A bad shepherd will come to an end under the judgment of God. Well, the third thing I want you to notice moves into a positive picture rather than that negative picture. The good shepherd feeds his sheep. And again, in Ezekiel 34, God promises that he will send a shepherd to care for the sheep. 
In Ezekiel 34, it says, I will tend them in a good pasture and mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land. There they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my sheep and make them lie down. In Mark 6, we see Jesus feed the sheep, care for the sheep, provide for the sheep both spiritually and materially. On one hand, in Mark chapter 6, he feeds them spiritually. We've already seen that glimpse in verse 32. Uh, Jesus, looking for a break from the mission with his disciples, goes to a solitary place, but many saw them go and kept following them and ran on foot through all the towns. When Jesus landed on the other side, he saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And in that moment, Jesus has compassion on the, the crowd. And what does he do next? He begins teaching them many things. Jesus, the good shepherd, feeds the sheep by teaching them the word of God, by proclaiming to them the kingdom of God, by urging them to repent and follow God. Uh, from time to time, people talk to me about feeling spiritually stale. Perhaps that's your moment in life here and now. Uh, humans are very complicated creatures and there's a whole range of reasons why someone may be feeling spiritually stale. Health reasons, sleep reasons, stress reasons, family reasons, relationship reasons. But here we get the picture that Jesus has come to feed our souls through his word. And I think for us, staleness can come into our spiritual life when we squeeze the word out of our regular daily routines. And we're reminded here that Jesus feeds the sheep by sitting down and teaching them the things of God. So by God's word, he feeds us, and by God's word, we are fed. The second thing worth noticing, especially in this particular moment in chapter 6, Jesus feeds them materially. He marks himself out as the good shepherd, and he feeds them physically with bread and loaves. And uh, in verses 35 to 40, we get the extraordinary count of the feeding of the 5,000 which are, if you've had any contact with the church for any amount of time, it's probably in the top five of Jesus' miracles. So it's worth hearing it afresh and seeing what's happening here. Uh, the Gospels, uh, uh, Mark especially, records a second feeding in chapter 8, and they go hand in hand together as bookends. We read in verse 35, it's late in the day. The crowd had followed Jesus into the wilderness. Uh, uh, the people were getting hungry and the disciples were starting to send the people away. Uh, and Jesus says to his disciples, why don't you give them something to eat? He had a plan and knew what was going to happen next, but they didn't. The accountant-minded ones 
in the disciples said, that'll take more than half a year's wage. Are we going to spend that much on bread and give them something to eat? I can imagine Steve Rouvray objecting to a parish council request to feed 5,000. Where's the money going to come from? Jesus knew where the uh, bread and the fish would come from. So he asked the question, how much food do we have between us? Uh, Five loaves, two fish. Which when you think about it, even if it was only supposed to be the 12 disciples, five loaves, two fish doesn't make much of a banquet. Here's the extraordinary moment. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish. He looks up to heaven. He gives thanks to his heavenly father as the provider of all good things. And he begins to break and share and break and share and break and share. They've organised the crowd into groups of 50 and 100 and he continues to break and to share and 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 you get to verse 42 and it says this. They all ate and were satisfied. When they collected up the broken portions of bread and fish, there were 12 baskets left. 5,000 men had eaten, which also means and the women and the children. It's an extraordinary moment to remind us that Jesus is the good shepherd who provides for his sheep. It's another miracle that reminds us of his lordship over creation. They didn't quite get it. He goes on to walk on water, and that's extraordinary in of, of itself. And in verse 52, after he had walked on water, they were completely amazed. And it says, for they had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. Jesus comes to feed your soul through the word of God. And Jesus shows his authority in that particular moment by feeding a large crowd with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now that rings all kinds of Old Testament bells. It's God who provides for his people in the wilderness in the days of Moses. And there is many other moments. Here is a moment to remind us that Jesus is the good shepherd and the good shepherd came to feed his sheep. Well, the last thing that I want you to notice really underlines that point. Jesus is the good shepherd. And in uh, the back half of chapter 6, verses 45 to 56, we get a cluster of extraordinary things that Jesus does. And Jesus fulfills for us the promise that God made in Ezekiel 34. Uh, God promises to send a good shepherd, a prince over the people from the line of David. And Ezekiel says this, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will place them over one shepherd. My servant David, he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I have spoken. And in verses 45 to 56... Jesus 
walks on water. Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus casts out demons. Even the walking on water moment is even more stunning than the calming storm moment from last week. He sends off his friends in the boat. He stays to pray. And in the middle of the night, close to dawn, he walks across the water to catch up with them. They think it's a ghost. They're terrified. Jesus says, take courage. Don't be afraid. It's me and hops back into the boat in the middle of the lake. It's a sign that here is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd has authority over the created order because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we see in Mark 6, Jesus presented to us as the good shepherd who feeds his sheep, that we might hear his voice that we might see he fulfills all the expectation of Psalm 23 and Ezekiel 34. That we might say, the Lord is my shepherd. In Jesus, I will lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd, and his name is Jesus. Listen to his voice. It's Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Listen to his voice. Let me pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the rich teaching about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. We thank you that in Mark 6, we see that he came to gather his sheep through preaching the word. We see that he, he came to feed his sheep spiritually with the word of God materially with bread and loaves and we thank you for the invitation to hear his voice and to follow him thank you that jesus is the good shepherd for us help us to trust him that he may lead us in the paths of righteousness amen